Hello, creative, and welcome back to the Empowered Creatives podcast, finding confidence between hustle and burnout. I'm your host, Victoria Hines, creative career coach, helping creatives just like you navigate those career hurdles. I'm really excited about my guest this week on the podcast. I have J.K. Renfro. He despises bios, but he sent me one anyway, which I'm super excited about. Uh, He's a husband, a dad, an actor, and a practitioner of the magic arts of creativity. He is currently producing an incredible podcast. I've already binged like half the episodes called Out of Depth Plays, which features him and other performers playing role-playing games and improvising insane stories. Welcome to the podcast, Jay. Hey, I think I wrote some of that. Yeah. I think I I regret writing it. (laughs) (laughs) Like listening it back, I was like, oh, what a goon. This is why I don't like bios. I hate hearing about myself. It's awful. This is great, though. I mean, it gave me enough space to toss in extra words about you, but wasn't three paragraphs long. There were some extra adjectives that I was very appreciative of. Oh. I knew they were yours. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I knew I, I wouldn't have used those. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Jay, I'm going to start you off with the biggest, baddest question I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. What do artists and creatives need to know is possible today? Gosh, you know, there's so much out there about what is possible that I feel like if if a person listening doesn't know that it's all possible by now, then they should know that. But I'll 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 table that for now. And I'll say that not only is it possible, it's possible wherever you are. You don't have to go anywhere to do it. And I think I think we my generation came from the mentality that you had to go to a place where the creatives went, which was usually a major metropolitan area like New York, LA, Chicago. And um, if you weren't there, then you, you, you couldn't be a part of the scene and you wouldn't be seen. So there was no way to make it if you weren't there. And that's just not, I don't, I don't think that's as true. I mean, it depends on what you want to do, but for the most part, you can be a filmmaker and you don't have to live in LA. You can, you can uh, be an actor and make your own stuff. And it's, it's better that way, I think, to, to do your own thing. So I think, I think a, lot of, a lot of creative endeavors can be done where you're at now using the people around you. It's possible to not have to move to the city to do it. I'm going to be very vulnerable here and say something about what you said is making me tear up because I think it just brought me back to uh, like graduating college where Mm -hmm. I suddenly felt that pressure of, okay, you have to decide where you're going to move to now yeah, and don't fuck it up. Like you better decide, right. And there was a lot of pressure on that. It sets the path for your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I felt like I had three choices. It was like New York, LA or Chicago, and I had to choose one of them. And honestly, it took me about five months after graduating to decide where I wanted to go. And I don't get me wrong. I love, love, love Chicago. But sometimes I do wonder like what, what it would have been like to have kind of like the world wide open 
to know that you didn't have to do that mm-hmm. and not have that pressure. You know, Gail and I, my wife, Gail, we both met in the theater department in college. And part of us being together was that we had both decided pretty early that we were going to go to Chicago. And most of my friends, with the exception of uh, a couple, um, were going to New York or going to Los Angeles. And there was that kind of uh, pain of going like, but I, w- I want to go to this place. And I'm not going to have the support group of all those talented people that I enjoyed so much uh, in, in college. And a lot of the people that we came up here with, because we came up here with uh, two or three people, they all eventually moved within four, four years of us coming here. They, they left. It is a weird amount of pressure we put on that place. And I would also say that if a person says like, I got to do it, I got to go to New York. I got to go to LA. I got to go to one of those places. I totally get it. I'm not saying it's don't do it. I'm saying you don't have to. And if you do do it, if you do go to one of those places, you didn't blow it. You didn't make the wrong decision. That's what I would say to you now, if if you feel uh, to you, Victoria, specifically, (laughs) if you're like, oh, what if I played that game? I played that game of could I have done it in New York? Could I have done it in Los Angeles? And there, and I have to remember, there's a reason why I picked Chicago because Chicago isn't New York and it's not Los Angeles. And I didn't want to have to do the things that I would have to have done if I was in one of those cities. And now that I've lived, I, I think we're coming in on 16 years in Chicago. I'm very proud of what I've done here. I'm very proud of what we've accomplished here. And so I don't look back at it with regret going like I could have just stayed in small town. Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't have done that. That's where I'm from originally. But I think that now that I, I, I've, I came here and I learned, I built myself and a network of friends like you. And that's all positive. That's all great. I mean, college, I left college with so much debt. And I thought I could have just went to Chicago and used all that money to do acting classes and stuff like that. And it would have been, it would have been better. Yeah. But then if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have been my, I wouldn't have met my wife. Right. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. I can't play that game. Absolutely. So kind of going back to that early stage in your career, I wanted to ask you, what's a moment in your career where you did feel unbalanced? You know, the unbalanced question is one. I don't think, I don't know about you. I don't know about most people really, but um, I don't think you know you're unbalanced until maybe after, because when you're in it, you think that this is how it's supposed to be, right? You've seen the movies, you saw the, you've seen the struggling actor TV shows and the movies and the stories, you've heard them all. And when you're in it, you're like, if I just can replicate this person that was very successful, their journey, like this is the path, this works. Yep. And so when I was in it, I, I didn't, I didn't think I was unbalanced until I got checked a couple of times. And I realized that I was, I was kind of losing it. The first time being when my son was born, my first son, we moved up here and within a few, in that first year we had a baby. And so there was that kind of, um, <laughs> that deflation of going, 
oh, we're just a married newlywed couple that are going to take the city by storm and we're going to do all this stuff. She's going to be a stage manager. I'm going to be an actor and we're going to do all this stuff. And then, you know, within a few months, we're pregnant (laughs) and we start seeing that dream slip away. For the first few years that I was here, I worked pretty consistently going from show to show. I, I felt like I was moving pretty quick. I was on a pretty quick track to, mm-hmm. to working with people and going, I would work with somebody on one and they'd want to cast me in the thing that they were doing with a different company. And uh, I was always busy and it was great, except my home life was my wife had the day job. I acted at night. I'm a stay at home dad. So I take care of a baby. She comes home. I hand her the baby and I leave. And that's our relationship for about a year. And it sucked. And it came to a point where it seemed like we were going to separate. We just weren't, we weren't together. And we weren't, when you have a baby, when you do anything huge, move to a big city, all of that is life growth. And so you're no longer the same person that got married when they were 24 or whatever we were. I should remember this because our wedding anniversary is in tomorrow. It's tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Our anniversary is tomorrow. You grow and you realize that I had to realize I had to, I had to take a moment. I remember I walked down the street to a bar and I was listening to the sad ass music bar by myself. And I just had this kind of epiphany of like, oh, I think I'm losing my wife. I think I'm losing my kid. I think, I think it's, I think it's going away. I need to make a decision. Do I love the person that she's becoming? Or am I going to wish she was that 24-year-old young woman that I fell in love with, which is an impossible desire to have, that she'll always be that, that young college kid that you, you fell in love with? And I realized I did love her, and I did love who she was becoming, but I realized I needed to stop for a moment and stop stop working stop acting and go back to taking care of that relationship and also taking care of the relationship with my child and uh you know i had to be a dad like a real dad yeah at that point i was just kind of the babysitter during the day who moonlighted as an actor so i spent a few years working at that and that was kind of the first time that I realized it was unbalanced. And then, um, yeah, I got back into it and mm-hmm. was grinding for, for years. And that was the, that second period is when I, I met you and doing all that work. And that was the period where I realized that, okay, the first time I neglected my family, this time I realized I was neglecting myself and I was sacrificing a lot of my health to make sure that I was doing the show, that I didn't want to take time off to take care of some health problems that I was dealing with. I was doing a show called Time Your Life. It was a really big role for me, mm-hmm. and the show was doing pretty good. Um, ticket sales were all right. I mean, it's a big cast, so it's hard to have like really bad houses because everybody's just bringing their friends. <laughs> Inviting their friends, yep. <laughs> exactly. That's why you cast big cast shows. <laughs> And so it looks like you have an audience, but you know, it was going really well, but in the first week we opened and then the next day I broke my ankle and uh, nobody knew about that really. So I was dancing around and, and 
doing quick changes through, you know, up and down stairs. Um, and my ankle was just massive and swollen oh my because gosh. I was just like, I can't not do the show. Like I was just yeah. like, I have to do it. And I don't even remember who, who my understudy was at the time, but I was like, you know, you had that actor mentality of I'll be damned if an understudy goes on mm-hmm. when I have like a good part, like it's gotta be me. Cause you never know who's going to show up and you've got that mentality. It could, this could be the night that an agent <laughs> shows up or a casting director. Right. The pressure. Yeah. There's that pressure. And that was also during, it was during that show two weeks later that I started to develop the gallbladder problems that I did, would later discover led to a, a pretty severe uh, medical condition that um, I basically suffered from for about four years. And it would happen during every show in between shows, I would just kind of deal with this really debilitating gallbladder issue. And it wasn't until I was working on a show and it was the first time I'd ever missed a performance and I missed the whole run. I think you're exactly right. I mean, half the time you don't, you oftentimes many of us, especially as creatives, we learn that lesson the hard way. Our health goes out the door, our uh, social life and relationships go out the door. And it's a toxic culture. Like we're so focused on the work in this industry. I think overall, it's a very American culture. It's a very American thing, but I think it's even, it's a little, it's a little even more rampant, I would say, especially in the theater world. I don't know. In the theater world, it's weird because you, you're not even getting paid. No. Yeah. That's, you know that's I mean? the like trade off. Yeah. You're not getting paid really anything. You think, you know, I'm doing it for the the reps. I'm doing it for the the possibility. Mm-hmm. Like you think you, every show that you do, you think it's a lottery ticket. Right. And this is the one where they show up. It wasn't until I said, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm done. I'm going to do this other thing. That's more fulfilling to me. I'm going to start working on that. I'm not going to focus so much on trying to audition and get the next deal. That's when I ended up getting my agent. I even had an honest conversation with her. I said, listen, I don't need this. I'm not going to do the, Yeah. you know, if you think there's something out there I can make us both some money on, then we'll do that. But I'm not going to bend over backwards for these people and stop being myself because I'd reached that point where I'm like, I'm not a young kid who's super desperate anymore and will mm-hmm. willing to be exploited. Right. My, my capacity to be, to be exploited had reached its upper limits and I was done with it. Absolutely. Which is such a, it's such a rough lesson to learn the hard way, but I always admire the way you approach work and creative work now. And I feel like it's a process I went through myself the past two, three years of realizing how much I had put everything I've ever wanted in my life on the back burner for the hopes of a career in this, in the theater world or like this dream. Yeah. And like, but this work dream, this very specific work dream and everything else back burner. And I've kind of like made the realization, like, it doesn't matter what that work is. Everything else can't go on the back burner for it. No, it, it's got to be, it can for maybe, you know, a few months at a time or like a, a small chunk of time. Sure. But not for years on end. I think there has to be an immediate result that makes it valuable to you to put those things on the back burner as you put it like you have to be able to see it it can't be this kind of pie in the sky you know so and so is going to show up and see me or my work's going to get seen by somebody if i don't do this maybe 
Mm-hmm. Like the, it, there has to be something that something tangible that you know is going to show up, whether it's just a paycheck or there you for sure are definitely going to get in contact with that agent or that producer or whatever. You're actually going to meet that person. You, you need to make sure that stuff's certain. If it's just kind of this hope, so many people, this whole business, the whole industry is based on putting like to me a lot of the labor in this business is built on the false hope that is placed inside you that Mm -hmm. this could be worth something later and that dream will allow you to do work for not a lot of money and be exploited by people who they themselves have been exploited by producers before them and Mm -hmm. producers before them and so on but it's that idea that you know, if, if you can tell somebody the dream's possible, it, it could happen this time, then, you know, people are willing to put up with a lot if they think that it really might happen. Finding that right balance in your career is incredibly difficult as a creative. If you are lacking time, energy, or money to do the thing that you love, it might be time to figure out what needs to change. If you have no idea where to start, I encourage you to grab my free creative career audit. This worksheet will walk you through a process to help you identify what's bringing you joy in your work and what really needs to go. You can head to my website at www.victoriahines.com or grab the direct link in the show notes below. Alrighty, back to the show. I'm going to, I'm going to segue us a little bit because I want to. I want to talk about, so you shared with me this really awesome video, YouTube video you created um, about turning your passion into a project and that pressure of doing that. So I would love to ask you, like, what, what have you learned are the traps that you need to avoid whenever you're making a project out of something you're passionate about? Oh, man, I think it's all a trap. (laughs) (laughs) It's all a trap because you, you you get caught up in the little moments of success and you kind of ride these, uh, the rhythms of like, how many views did I get? Oh, I got a lot of views today. And then there's no views for three weeks and you go, Oh, I'm dead now. You kind of get caught up in it and you get caught up in the success stories of how people did it and the kind of the nonsense around it. Your show talks about like that, that line between hustle and burnout. Mm-hmm. Most stuff, like if you if you look it up on YouTube or whatever, you're just like needing motivation. It's all about that like hustle, the grind, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's also, or it's about I'm just burnout. And there's rarely like that keeping both both the uh, having your field of vision wide enough to see both, both the states coming. Right. Yeah. Because there's something unhealthy about that grind life. Mm -hmm. And then there's something, I mean, and then that just leads to the even more unhealthy burnout because the real problem with burnout is it's taking, it's making you hate the thing that you love. Yep. 100%. That was really the trap that we were trying to avoid was that, once you start trying to turn your your passion into a commodity mm-hmm. into into a, something that is presented to people 
then there's a trade-off. You're sacrificing a little bit of your freedom to enjoy it the way that you did when it was just your hobby. Because you do have to think about it in terms of how are people going to view it? How am I going to get it out to people? But you and I both know that when the camera's on, you're a different person than when the camera's off. Yeah. You know, it, just yeah. human beings in general, not, not just us, but like just mm-hmm. in general, human beings perform when the camera's on. And basically we're taking playing role-playing games, trying to turn it into a podcast. So it sounds like an audio drama. Mm-hmm. And I'm very passionate about playing role-playing games. Like I think it's an interesting theatrical experience for just people at the table. It's a, it's a, it's a form of ephemeral art, just like theater is just, just a different form. And I really love it. So then the idea of turning it into something that I have to produce and present to people that's so daunting to, that's a daunting task. And I just didn't want to get caught up in I wanted to mitigate how much I was willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. of my freedom to enjoy it the way I want to. And part of that was kind of limiting our ability to appeal to a huge audience. Mm. Putting too much of that thought in, we put a, a little bit in, but it's, we're always kind of, I, I, I want to do it our way. I didn't want to do To me, it's important that it's out there, that we've done it Mm -hmm. and that it can be discovered and it may not be discovered right now and it may not get us money now and it may not provide whatever, but we've gotten feedback on the show from a few people that it was all the stuff that we had wanted to hear when we started making it and now we've gotten it. And to me, I'm like, I don't care if nobody discovers this and it never makes any money. I'll always have it. I'll always yeah. have this moment where like <laughs> one person said the thing that we <laughs> always wanted to hear within six months of us starting. And I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Last question for you. What advice would you give to an artist who is looking to feel more confident in their career right now? You know, I don't like giving advice, but I, I guess my question is, it would be a question is why don't you feel confident? Really look at what it is. You, if you're, if you're doing your, if you're wanting to do your project, whether it's painting or music or acting or filmmaking or whatever, YouTubing, uh, streaming, like whatever it is that you want to do, if you don't feel confident, what is making you feel that way? Hmm. And when you really start looking at it, like sit down and make a list of, moments identify the moments when you go oh i'm not good enough what caused you to say that what caused you to respond in that way and you'll start learning that some of the things that make you feel that way is irrelevant to you like it's stuff outside of your own control and it's usually something like society's making you feel that way that what mm-hmm. you're doing isn't good enough or you know, you're seeing somebody else's success and you're thinking, I don't know if I could achieve that in the next five years or however, whatever your time limit is that you put on yourself. But I think it's my advice would be to really look at those, those catalysts that make you feel insecure and really decide how important they are in your life 
because if it's, you know, if it's a person who knows nothing about something and they make you feel a certain way, why would you hold their opinion that way? You know, Mm -hmm. that would be my advice is to really look at it and go, what, what is making me feel this way? So Jay, how can we, I'm not going to ask to connect with you because we all know you're going to be hard to connect with. How can we connect with the podcast? Uh, you can go to our website, getoutofdepth.com. And it has all the links to all the ways you can listen to the show and the YouTube videos that we do and the blog posts we do and kind of just using it as an ecosystem to be able to do all the things that we've ever wanted to do. And so that's <laughs> the easiest way to get in contact with me. There's, you know, you, you can even email me from there and like, it's all good. Like, Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. There's social media links that to things just so we have it, not, but not really because we want to use it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I know you don't want to be a promoter, but I'm going to kind of put this out there. I binged season two so far. So I would say oh, like if you're you. into role playing games, if you're into sci fi, especially season two, um, it's going to be right up your alley. So I would definitely uh, listen in. I'm I I got very quickly addicted and very attached to the characters. So I want to know what happens <laughs> next. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I feel bad for you. <laughs> oh no, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> it's a very dangerous game. Oh we'll no, I know. All right, thank you so much, Jay, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm so glad that I got to have Jay on the show this week and truly one of the most inspiring and incredibly insightful people that I've met during my time here in Chicago. So here's your one thing this week, and I am stealing these words, these questions direct from Jay. I loved what he said at the end of the podcast about if you are needing more confidence in your career, here's what you do next. So I know he said it wasn't advice, but I think these are two brilliant questions. So if you are needing more confidence in your career right now, I want you to ask yourself, why are you not confident? Does it matter? That's what you're going to ponder, journal, record onto your phone. Um, Ask yourself, get to the heart of that question this week. All right. As always, if you've enjoyed the podcast this week, please do share with a friend or two and rate, review, and subscribe. It's the cheapest way that you can show your love back to the podcast. With that being said, until the next time, stay creative. Stay creative.